Welcome to Transformation for Success with Dr. Barbara Young. If you're looking for something more, something different, something better, this is your opportunity. Over the next hour, we'll talk about inspiration for personal and professional success. Now, here is your host, Dr. Barbara Young. Well, hello there, and it's fantastic Tuesday, and Transformation for Success is the place to be at 12 noon Pacific Standard Time, 1 p.m. Central Standard Time, and 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And just a little bit of news, we're now syndicated on the Business Channel on Saturdays at 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time and at 12 midnight. So that's going to be a welcome advantage for many of you international listeners. And by the way, I want to give a shout out to my international listeners in China, India, Australia, Ireland, Canada, Korea, Mexico, Greece, the UK, Germany, Spain, Nigeria, the Netherlands, France, and welcome to my new listeners in Kenya and Fiji. We're welcome to have you on listening to the show. I do so appreciate your tuning in to the Transformation for Success show where success stories and strategies are shared from business entrepreneurs, corporate leaders, life and health coaches, those in entertainment, technology, and sports. We are so excited to have today in the studio a remarkable man who's going to share his personal journey of pivoting or pivot, how to pivot. So I want you to stay tuned because, as you know, each week I will bring you stories that, personal stories and journeys of people who've transformed their lives. So an archive of today's interview will be available at this link, info at Transformation for Success, immediately following the show. You know, one of the things that I have found out is that attending a weekend workshop is not enough. Neither is reading a book or watching a training video. But what truly successful people do is they do it all. So I'm encouraging you to listen daily to online radio programs involving successful individuals in the car, in the office, or even at home, even if it's just for 15 minutes. You know, my goal with this show, and I always reiterate this every week, is to help you. People who are hungry for more success in their lives, and they want the wisdom, knowledge, strategies from people who have succeeded in their life's journey to transform their lives. And I know that if you want to change your life, you have to change your thinking and develop a new mindset. So are you on target for more success in your life? Well, I'm convinced today that you're going to learn something very interesting with my guest, Mr. Adam Markell. Are you ready for a wake-up call? Well, I know this. There are people all around the world who have the same challenges, they have the same barriers, same financial worries, some physical limitations, but they are absolutely capable of changing. So I want to say this. Hello, Adam Markell. (laughs) Welcome to the show. (laughs) Oh, my goodness, Dr. B. What a pleasure to be on your show. I'm a huge fan of yours, and I feel very blessed in this moment to be able to share some things, and just to spend some time with you and certainly with your community. Well, it is a, it's just a wonderful opportunity because you travel all over, and you're such a remarkable speaker. And when I heard you in person, Adam, I just knew. I said, i got to have this man on the show so that he can share this knowledge and share his beautiful soul to so many people out there. And I'm saying again, listeners, are you ready for a change? Because this man is going to bring a great message today. Adam, but let me tell you a little bit about Adam Markell. 
He's a world-renowned resilience and change management expert, transformational speaker, and business mentor. Now, Adam, after building a multi-million dollar law firm, he became CEO of one of the largest business and personal development training companies, overseeing more than 100 million in sales. Let's say that again, 100 million in sales. So Adam is now CEO of More Love Media, and he's here today to share his latest book and some of the things he learned, and he's sharing from his bestseller, Pivot, The Art of reinventing your career and life. So Adam, I want to just sort of start in today because there's so many questions I have for you because you've had a compelling journey and I'm so anxious for the listeners to hear your transformational journey to which you refer as a series of pivots. So what happened that you found your way and came up with the word pivot? <laughs> oh, I love that question. Are you, well, first of all, I'm going to start with the sort of the beginning it's always good to begin at the beginning. Um, yes, and it is. My, my beginning is, uh, is not where many people would, would think we'd start. I was in pain. The, the beginning of my story is really a story of pain. And not physical pain, although I think there were physical symptoms of my, my being out of alignment. Uh, that's a word I would use today. I, I wouldn't have used it back then. I, I mm-hmm. took a, a position as an attorney. I, I went to law school. Uh, when, when I didn't know really what else to do uh, at that point in my life, early on in my 20s, I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I did know that I wanted to have a family. I was so blessed and still to this day blessed to be uh, married to my college sweetheart, and we're married almost 30 years. We've been 30 oh years this coming July. Oh, um, what a four. blessing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just an incredible blessing to meet someone so early in life, and I... You know, I don't know what, what to say about that other than, other than to say that um, when you're able to find someone in your life that gets you, um, someone that supports you, I mean, that's the one thing about our relationship. My wife's name is Randy, and I, I know you got to meet her, and she's just uh, she's an she, angel for sure. She's lovely, um, lovely. She's always, support, she's always supported me. She's always mm-hmm. supported whatever, whatever sort of harebrained ideas I came up with. She built me up, and I think it's, it's very important as, and it's a good place for us to begin in this in this place. That mm-hmm. in our lives we have to have people who build us up and support us. And where we don't find those people, we've got to look for them. It, 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 we can't. We've got to be, have the humility um, to be mm-hmm. seeking out those folks, even when at the situation we might be in, we we might not be feeling supported. Not maybe in an environment where we feel people are are really. Pulling for us and, and mm-hmm. working at their at their you know working their even just to hold space for us to pray for us to, to hold powerful intentions for our well being that if we're not surrounded by those people we've got to we've got to do something to make a change we've got to find those people and be in those environments and and so to me that that's a I love that that just sort of showed up right out of the gate um, when I was much younger I as I said, was looking for direction and I didn't know what to do. So I went back uh-huh. to school. I became a lawyer and I graduated from law school and I took the bar exam and I studied really hard and all that kind uh-huh. of stuff. And uh-huh. I went to a profession that enabled me to have a certain respect, I suppose. I had, uh-huh. I had the status. I had an opportunity to make a lot of money. I did, in fact. I created a few uh, law practices in, in different states and 
you know, all that kind of thing. Uh-huh. But day after day, after about five, six years, I used to wake up in the morning, I would put my feet on the floor, and as I would take those first waking breaths, those first conscious breaths of the day, I realized there was something wrong. And I think there's a lot of people, uh, Dr. B, that are out there that know what I, what I mean when I say that, that from the moment you wake up sometimes, from the moment uh-huh. you put your feet on the floor, you can sometimes feel as though there's something that's just not, no, not the way you want it to be, not the way it ought to be. And right. I felt that way for so long, and I ignored it, as, as a lot of us do, because I had responsibilities. By that time, my wife and I, we wanted to have a, a big family and be careful what you ask for, because we <laughs> you'll get it. <laughs> knock on wood. Every one of them, they're all beautiful beings. They're healthy, most importantly. They're, they're doing good things in the world, contributing things in the world. Uh, but there, were, there, was a, there was a responsibility. And so it, that's all I was focused on was, you know what? I can't take my eye off the, off the road. I can't take my hands off the wheel. I've got <laughs> to keep doing what I'm supposed to be doing here. But before I knew it, I blinked my eyes and, and 10 years had gone by. And, and I think, again, we oh. all relate to this. The time, oh, yes. time just goes by so it quickly, does. right? So right. I didn't realize it until maybe... I've gone 15 years into a profession, into a professional, uh, into a career, and, and working 70 hours a week, sometimes 80 hours a week even, and waking up every morning feeling this, this pain, feeling this, this dullness, feeling this, is like my, my spirit was atrophying, was shrinking. And, and that's an awful way to feel at the beginning of the day. And I'll, I'll condense the story by saying, at a certain point, I could no longer tolerate that pain. I couldn't tolerate that suffering because it, I felt anxious. I felt dread. I felt anger often during the day for no reason. I, I trouble sometimes sleeping at night, all that, and I couldn't tolerate it anymore. And so I did something to change. I, I pivoted, used that word earlier. I mm-hmm. transitioned out of something that my heart didn't feel good about. And I moved in the direction of, of things that felt better. And when I started to experience results as because I took those actions and I'll I'll share what those were in just a little bit. I, uh-huh. I also started to teach other people about that. I was asked to share and I was willing to do that, even though I was scared to death of public speaking, as a lot of people are now it's kind of ironic that not only uh-huh. do I, I speak all over the world and I train other people to be public speakers and to do <laughs> TED talks and all that kind of thing. Inside, I, I, I was always terrified of it. In fact, I'm really an introvert, but as, as a, a dear friend of mine uh, says, and I'll borrow this phrase, I'm a situational extrovert. <laughs> and so but I Adam, get over my fear of public speaking because I had a higher purpose in mind. And, and that's where I ultimately pivoted out of practicing law, <laughs> out of doing something where I thought I was, I felt as though I was selling my soul for money and began to do something. That, that felt much better, and I didn't jump ship, so we can, we can talk about the process in just a second. I just want people uh-huh. to know right out of the gate, I didn't come home and look at my wife and say, you know what, I hate my life or I hate my job and I've got to quit and we've got to move to Fiji. You know, Even though I was probably <laughs> a candidate at that point for a midlife crisis, instead we, we opted, and I say we because it was, it was myself and, and my wife and, and the support of family and friends, but uh-huh. we opted that I would, I would have a midlife calling instead of a midlife crisis. <laughs> you know what? I, I was sort of chuckling when you were saying this because the fear of public speaking, and I, I wrote down on my little notepad, obviously you weren't a trial lawyer. <laughs> you were speaking in court. Were you a trial lawyer? 
My God, every time I would get up in court, my stomach would turn into knots. <laughs> I was chuckling at that because I said 17 years of working, the 70 hours a week, wow. Now, I, what are the things that, that you didn't mention, and I knew about this because when I heard you speak before, you talked about actually having uh, an emergency room experience where you were there for severe exhaustion and anxiety. Was it a result of all of this working 70 hours a week and all of this with these law practices and things going on in your life then? It was. I, I, I can remember like it was yesterday. It was a Saturday, <laughs> and my wife and I were, were headed to our son's baseball game, and all of a sudden, I started to sweat. I was sweating uncontrollably. My heart was racing. I could barely get my breath. And the next thing you know, I'm being wheeled into the emergency room, and they've got electrodes taped to my chest. And, and I literally feel that I'm about to expire. My life, my, my life is flashing before my eyes. I can't believe that it's going to end that way and that I'm not even going to see the kids again. I won't see them come home from school. Uh-huh. It, was, it was a devastating moment for me. I mean, I, 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 I sat on, on this gurney, laid on this gurney for what seemed like an eternity until... My wife shows up at my bedside, and the doctor pulls the curtain, comes in, and, and looks at me and says, Mr. Markell, I want to tell you <laughs> right away, you are not having a heart attack. He says, uh, you know, you're going to be fine. Consolation. Like, oh, like <laughs> <laughs> he says, your job sounds extremely stressful. You've been having trouble sleeping, and, and the coffee, you know, you drink a lot of coffee. That's not helping either. He said, what you had today was an anxiety attack, and, and you're going to be fine, but the truth of the matter is, if you don't change some things, if you don't look at some things a little bit more okay. carefully, you might not be lucky. Uh, you might not be so lucky the next time, That's and, right. um, and that, really, that really hit home for me. I, I, I walked out of that hospital a few hours later on my own two pretty shaky legs, and I remember it was a beautiful, crisp autumn day. I looked up at the sky, and I just spontaneously said, thank you. I actually said, thank you, God. And, yes. and that wasn't language that was usual and customary for me. I'm a very spiritual person, but I, I, I wasn't much into religion when I was younger. And, but I, I realized right then that I'd been given a reprieve. Absolutely. I was given a second chance. Yes. And I think that, you know, in many ways, we, we, uh, we get second chances. until if, And the only question is whether we recognize that we're being given a second chance. So, I think frankly, that's true. You know, mm-hmm. The truth of the story is that I didn't realize, I, I thought I realized it that day, and, and what ended up happening was a few months later, I was sort of right back in my old ways of being, my old habits. I was working, as you said, I was exhausted, and, 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 and the exhaustion was, was even made worse. It was exacerbated by the fact that I just did not love what I was doing. In fact, I, I just about hated it. And so I came home late from work one night. It was one of these you know, cold, rainy nights on the East Coast, and I walked in the door dripping, and I knew the second I walked in that I had missed the kids going to sleep again. You know, I, I got on the bus late from the city, from Manhattan, and I got home late. I knew I'd missed the chance to kiss him goodnight, to read him a bedtime story again, and I walked straight up to my beautiful wife. I looked her in the eye, and I said, if I keep doing what I'm doing, you're going to be a widow. Mm-hmm. You recognize that. Wow. Yep. Now, Adam, next you become uh, the CEO of a large company, and you share 
that you pivoted again. So now you came out of this situation as an attorney and now you form or you become CEO of a large company. I mean, is that sort of like going back into the same situation? Well, that's, that's really interesting that you just asked that because I didn't know it at the time. <laughs> I, thought, <laughs> I thought it was the answer, of course. And, <laughs> and as it turns out, it, it wasn't. Um, as I said, we, we decided that, that jumping ship was not going to be the process for us. I mean, I, I suppose it's appropriate at times. In fact, there was a book called Jump Ship uh, by a guy named Josh Ship, and it was a great book. I, I, I recommend the book. I just don't actually agree with the philosophy. Okay. You know, so for us, uh, instead of instead of because frankly that's that's a part of what I think is a myth in our society that in order to transform something in your life whether it's in your personal life or your health your relationship your business that you've got you've got to sort of push all your chips into the center of the table you've got to burn the ships you know create some massive commitment uh, you know you know do create a commitment device of some kind and to me in in having now trained a lot of people around the world, having traveled all around the world, shared this with many, many people, uh, and our businesses have coached you know, thousands and thousands of people. What I realize is that when we think that we've got to take those kinds of risks, more often than not, most people do nothing. They opt for what's safe. They opt for mediocrity. And mediocrity, as we know, is an epidemic in our world. It's, it's this old you know, Henry David Thoreau quote about, everywhere people are leading lives of quiet desperation. That is very much the norm, and a part of the reason for that is that people don't realize that in order to change something, we don't have to take a massive leap. We don't have to jump ship or, or you know, push everything, you know, put everything okay. at risk. What we, what we have to do is make small changes. Okay, because can we stop for a minute? Small changes have a Adam? compound effect. Adam, I got to stop you because we got to take a quick break. We're going to come back and talk about how do you make those small steps rather than jumping ship. So, listeners, stay tuned. We're going to be right back with my guest today, Adam Markell. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Can you think of anybody who does not want a better life and to be a better person? Think about that for a second. Almost everyone wants to be better, but how does one go about doing that? One thing that is making people better every week is tuning into the Self-Improvement Show with Dr. Irene Conlon. All real change comes from within, but many of us don't know where to find the information or guidance we need to make the changes that bring about the improvement. Most of us don't know how to work within. Listen Thursdays at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. Have you left the cage that held you back but find yourself in the wild of your life wondering, what do I do now? I'm Dr. Lisa Cooney and today I'm going to give you the tools to answer that question. Regardless of the issue, your choices of the past no longer need to haunt you. You have the power to change that and to create from a space of fun and ease. How different can your life be? Find out. Listen every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, noon Central, 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. This is Transformation for Success. To reach Dr. Barbara Young or today's guest, 
please call into the program at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to info at transformationforsuccess.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back to my featured guest today, Adam Markell, a well-renowned resilience and change management expert, transformational speaker, and business mentor. Adam, I'm so happy to have you here today again. And I just want to reiterate to all of you listeners out there, if you want to call in, ask any questions of Adam, don't feel shy. Call 1-888-346-9141. Okay, Adam, uh, before we went on break, you were talking about taking those small steps, uh, baby steps as you call them, uh, when you're getting ready to make that transitional point in your life. So share again how you made that decision and what are those baby steps? Beautiful. Well, again, I think baby steps are the thing that most people would would think wouldn't get the job done. Somehow that the baby step is too insignificant to, to make for something uh, life-changing. And my experience is that it's, it's quite different. It's, it's the butterfly effect, if you will. It's the fact okay. that, that any small change in direction over time creates an opportunity for a very different outcome in life. And, and, and so it, it's the kind of thing that when you realize that maybe something's off, maybe there's some symptom of, of the fact that there's a change that's, that's coming. And, and I think there's always a change that's on the horizon because it's the one great constant in the universe that everything is always changing. And I love what Ram Dass says, that we've, we've got to make friends with change. Uh, we, we, we sort of plus that by saying we really want to make change our best friend. And so the question is, how do you make those changes? I, I know, Dr. B, in, in your professional career, you've made lots of changes. And, and again, when we use the word pivot, we're, we're using that interchangeably with the word change. Right. And, and a pivot is not just a change, but it's a conscious change. So we've got a podcast called the Conscious Pivot Podcast. And, and the whole point behind that is that we want to be mm-hmm. the creators of our lives. We want to be designing our pivots, designing our transformational changes, not waiting for them to happen. Because, right. again, just as we know that the sun is going to come up tomorrow, we know those changes are going to happen. So it's just a question of do we want to allow them to happen by default or, or do we want to design them? And, and you're an expert in that yourself. Yes. <laughs> well, you know, one of the things I usually ask people, are you just existing each day and, and, you know, putting up with, and my question, Adam, too, because I get a little frustrated sometimes with seeing people who are putting up with and tolerating mediocrity. You're just, just sort of just, you know, traveling along day by day, but never really making that what you call that conscious change. So what does it have to happen that you be in a hospital or on a gurney and you're, you're gasping for breath or you're having an anxiety attack or you're in an automobile accident before you to wake up? Do you, I just don't believe we have to have a tragedy to wake up that you need to change. <laughs> Sorry, no, I got a little a preachy question. there. Why? why? <laughs> Why is it that we often wait for, for disaster or for something you know, that is, is challenging to happen to be a catalyst for change? I mean, disruption is, is one of those words that, that I think has great value. I mean, it's great value to be, to be in a, in a um, to, uh-huh. to even cultivate disruption for yourself. Uh-huh. In uh-huh. other words, scratch, scratch the, the old vinyl record that you and I grew up with and we know we still love, I think, still love the vinyl record. 
um, <laughs> with the grooves in it. And, and the fact of the matter is that, that those grooves are, are our patterns. They're the, the habits. They're the things that we do unconsciously, habitually. Um, and we've got to interrupt those patterns oftentimes. It's, it's a question of, are we willing to settle for status quo? And, and clearly, to be a successful human being, a successful human, uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. we have to be growing. In fact, we are growing or we're dying. And, and only recently, when I was at, I was, uh, at an event as a student, and I, I, still, I still really so much believe, even though I ran one of the largest personal development and business training companies in the world, um, I myself am still a student. And I think anybody that, that wants to be a teacher um, has to be a student. The day that we stop learning ourselves or, or, or have that humility and the uh-huh. ability to see things through these beginner's eyes or through apprentice eyes, I think the moment that happens, we're, we're really done uh, on, a, on a great level. Uh, we're, we're not able to continue to teach or to teach as effectively. So um, growing or dying is, is the thing. And I was at an event. We were doing some graffiti artwork. It was part of one of the one of the activities, which I, I still love because I'd never spray-painted or done spray-paint art uh-huh. graffiti work before. And we did this beautiful picture. I've never considered myself artistic, but our team came up with something really, really quite wonderful. And, and we were going to come up with a tag, you know, an acronym or something <laughs> uh-huh. to tag the artwork with. And I thought, geez, man, we're always either growing or dying. And so when we tagged it, it was G-O-D, grow or die. Oh, wow. Just so priceless. Isn't that cool? That's cool. And, you know, it really gets me sort of segueing into becoming the CEO. I wanted to really get into this because we have a lot of business entrepreneurs and people who are listening that are CEOs of companies. You became the CEO of a company. One of the things that you did is that you, you began to help individuals and companies, but more, I'm focusing right on the companies, how did you help them build a culture of inspiration and resilience? What does this look like? <laughs> well, it, it, it's, it's probably the most important thing, I think, today. So from, a, from a business leadership standpoint, I've mm-hmm. run organizations, I'm running an organization right now. Mm-hmm. It is un, it's really a, a massive problem in, in organizations that people are not at their best, that they're uh-huh. not fully engaged, that they're uh-huh. not as productive as, that they, as they can be, that they are not even well, often physically or emotionally right. well, or not at their best. In fact, uh-huh. the cost, it's been estimated that it costs U.S. businesses $62 billion a year in health and safety costs because that are related to exhaustion in the workplace. So there's an actual cost of exhaustion, uh-huh. a cost to exhaustion uh, uh-huh. to the bottom line of businesses. And so how is it, as you said, that you can create a culture where exhaustion isn't, isn't, the, uh, isn't the cultural norm? And, and part right. of that is that you begin to look at the culture. You examine it and examine what it is that you're rewarding people for. Are you rewarding uh-huh. people for, for getting, you know, the night owl uh, award, uh-huh. Uh-huh. For, for staying late versus taking care of themselves uh, for, 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 for even sometimes I, I would sleep in the office on occasion for doing that kind of extreme uh, thing or are you rewarding them for going outside and taking a 20 minute walk during the day to clear mm-hmm. their head or taking some time to meditate or to eat their lunch under a tree versus sitting at their desk um, that's a cultural issue 
And, and for business leaders today, I really believe that in order to not only do something to, to meet the challenge of this exhaustion, uh, but you also have to create a, a new norm for resilience, meaning that you have to help people to mm-hmm. be stronger and able to not just um, deal with stress, but re- but use, re- use recovery rituals, which is something that, that we teach uh, organizations, how to create rituals that help people to recover from stress more quickly. Because uh-huh. the, the thing that our research has shown or has, has revealed is that it, it's not exhaustion that makes people sick. It's the lack of recovery from exhaustion that makes right. them sick. Right. It's not stress that ultimately kills anyone. It's a lack of recovery from stress that kills people. Stress is actually a really important thing. It, uh-huh. it, it's a part of what helps us to grow. But most businesses are set up to drive their KPIs, to drive their, their, their uh, bottom line results. And, and they're not really focused on the, the true health and well-being, the mental, emotional, physical, and even spiritual resilience of, of their workers. And that's a mindset shift. That's a, a change in yeah. mindset at the at the organization at the leadership level that has right. to Right. Are, are you, which, which lets me sort of segue into another question uh, as it relates to organizational culture, uh, because we know uh, organizational culture is created by a number of factors, uh, the founders' values or preferences, industry demands, which gets me into this question, and I was intrigued when you were talking about this, um, is that how are companies going to deal with the mindset of the millennials and the Gen Zers who are coming along. Have you been able to take a look at that or have some suggestions for how companies are going to mm. deal with that, and particularly as it relates to their culture? Dr. B, you've asked a really sage question because I think that it is is one of the biggest issues right now facing companies that they're mm-hmm. the largest segment of their workforce, if it's not now the largest segment, it certainly will be over the next few years, are those millennials and, and Gen Zers. And the average length of an engagement right now, so you, you attract talent to your organization, millennials are staying in, are, are switching are transitioning in and out of companies about every 18 months. So there's, mm-hmm. so there's not a lot of longevity that is happening. Uh, the millennials are leaving, and uh, the cost to a company to acquire that talent and then to train that talent, to lose that talent after yeah. 18 months or, or thereabouts, is, is a massive cost. And so there's no question that to meet millennials where, where they want to be met, you, we've got to create greater alignment for them. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's why purpose-driven leadership is, is something that's so important uh, that, a, that managers, that executives, that organizations are focused on expressing the, the greater why for the business. Why does the business exist? Because for millennials and Gen Z, what's going to be ultimately... Uh, the determining factor in whether they stay or they go is how useful they feel, how much they feel that their that their skills, their talents, their gifts are in alignment. With That's the exactly right of the company. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. and if they don't feel that alignment, they're not like older generations. I mean, I, I don't want to pin anything on on baby boomers or anyone else. I just know that in the past, 
we were more ready to sort of pay, uh, to continue to move forward in a job or in a situation, even if our heart wasn't in, even if we uh-huh. didn't feel like our, our gifts were being utilized, or, or even if we didn't feel necessarily like uh, our purpose was was lined up with the company's purpose, um, because frankly, our, our mindset was different. We it wanted was different. different things out of mm-hmm. life. And I also mm-hmm. think, frankly, that we were promised something uh, that, that is no longer a valid promise. I mean, years ago, 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago and, and before, you, were, you went to work for a company, and the promise, both, both written and spoken and, and unwritten and unspoken, was that you could work there for 30, 40 years and retire and be taken care of. Uh-huh. And we know that that promise has been broken, and, and, and that covenant, that, that compact, was broken. And we started to see it with companies like WorldCom and, uh, you know, and, and uh-huh. Lehman Brothers and, and, and a whole host of others where the, the workers uh, were no longer able to rely on that, on that agreement. And so now you, you, you look at our kids, you know, so again, millennials or Gen Z, and they're not, they're not bought into that. That's, that's not an agreement that they're prepared to believe in, and that's not what they're looking for. What, they, what they're looking for is inspiration. And so, again, I'm, I, I think this is one of the most important conversations we could be having today as people who are involved at, at any level of leadership in, in an organization that we are mm-hmm. able to identify for everybody from the top, from top down and bottom up that we have agreement and alignment on the purpose of that of that organization, so that everybody I, I, can buy in. Because if mm-hmm. they don't buy in, they're going to leave. That's true. And, and I just, you know, I, I love the millennials. I'm working with millennials, too, uh, now with a millennial mastermind. And I know I'm hearing so much about organizations and companies and how, really, they're going to have to change. They're going to have to meet the needs of this new generation. One of the things which lets me um, talk about you, again, a question, you were the CEO of this large company, and you were really working with um resilience and helping them to create that inspiration but what you pivoted again and I want to know what caused you to uh, or why you opened the small firm More Love Media and what is More Love Media about and I want to get to that real quickly before we have to go to break so please share how you came up with that title (laughs) and the purpose of More Love Media it's what we believe (laughs) So well, it's a perfect segue from from the from the idea that we've got to be in alignment. When our lives, mm-hmm. when our, our bodies are not in alignment, then we're we are more likely to become sick, to become mm-hmm. a uh, you know to to be a um, we're more vulnerable when we're yes, not we in are. alignment. And right. I was running an organization. I was running an organization that had a lot of moving parts and. Uh, we were doing more than 100 live trainings a year. And my daughter, we were actually in Paris celebrating uh, our daughter's graduation from UCLA. And another daughter of ours, our youngest uh, little girl, was um, 16 at the time. My wife was turning 50. So we had a lot of things to, to celebrate as we were in Europe. And my daughter asked me out to lunch one day. We were in Paris. And she said, let's go, let's go have lunch and have coffee. And I'm thinking to myself, well, she just graduated from college this is perfect. She just wants to give a little daddy advice, you know. I'm, I'm really excited to be able to have this little one-on-one time with her. I couldn't have been more wrong. <laughs> like, she didn't want to ask my advice. 
she wanted to give me some. And she sat with me at lunch that day, and she started to point out some things to me. She said, Dad, you're exhausted, and you're never home. We hardly see you. And, and I, this, this is very reminiscent of the way you were when, when you were in the latter years of, of your law practice, where you were just so sort of exhausted and, and unhappy and not even you know, spending time doing the things that you really would love to be able to do and all that. She, so she held up a mirror for me, you know, out of the mouth of babes sometimes. It, it's, it's remarkable what they observe. And sure, you know, she'd been watching me all those years, and, and then she was reflecting right back to me that something was not in alignment. And I knew right then that she was right and that there was a pivot that was coming. And so it wasn't six months later that we were working on the exit plan from the business that I was um, running and had been running for many, many years. And, uh, and then ultimately took some time to be still. I know it's not easy when we're in transition to be still, but I, I took some time to do that. And actually, it was kind of an ironic thing. I was listening to the audible version of my own book. Talk about it, torture. And that's <laughs> I something. I listened to my own, my own voice, The Art and Science of Reinventing Your Career Life, and I'm going through it, and I'm listening to it, and ultimately found guidance through that book, which was one of those really beautiful things. We just had a, a TED Talk where I shared that story for the first time that while I was deep in my own transition, my most recent professional transition, I went back to those core principles that were in the book that I'd written so many, well, only a couple of years earlier, um, but we started incubating it, you know, many years earlier than that. And, uh, and it really helped me. It really helped me to just get still enough to be guided and to trust the guidance. I, I really truly believe that we, we can live with, a, with our guard up or we can be, be guided. We can um, come from a place of, of being on guard or we can be on grace. And I, I chose to be on grace. I chose to be guided. And we were guided to this wonderful opportunity that we now are, are involved in. And that is that we, we teach people how to create a message and deliver a message in the world, whether it's their marketing or it's their, uh, the way that they present themselves through their platforms to speak, to write, uh, that we help people to, to convey that message from this place of, of, of love. And so well, more love uh, media means that we're, we're putting more love into everything that we do. That you so do. We are sending That's our great. emails away, our, our platforms. It's all based on love. Okay. Well, you know what? We're going to take a you quick know, break. the other ways that marketing is sometimes set up. We're going to take a quick break, and I just want to say to the listeners, this is one, a line out of your book by Mary Oliver. What is it you plan to do with your wand, wild, and precious life? We'll be right back with Adam Markell. Thank you for listening. on Facebook, along with some of the greatest minds of the world, and that includes you. Visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment. How are you doing in your life? Do you control your life, or does it control you? In our hectic, overconnected world, do you spend too much time feeling tired and wired? 
Tune in to Master Your Life with hosts Leah Mattinson and Dr. Howard Rankin for inspiration, insight, and intelligence on how to gain control of yourself and your life. Along with some inspirational and knowledgeable guests, Leah and Howard will give you the tools needed to help you on your journey. Tune in every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Success starts here. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's your world. This is Transformation for Success. To reach Dr. Barbara Young or today's guest, please call into the program at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to info at transformationforsuccess.com. Now, back to this week's program. Well, welcome back to my discussion with Mr. Adam, I like to say mister because I feel like he's a mister. Adam Markell, oh, he is so wonderful. The transformational teacher that I've always wanted to have on my show. (laughs) So, Adam, thank you so much again for being on the show today because truly you inspire and you empower people. And today we have so enjoyed having you share. But this is my my question I want to ask because... When we talk about More Love Media, uh, you came up with that title, uh, that purpose of more. What is the purpose of More Love Media? To have people, as you said, to spread a message and to be able to share that message. But I want to just say, you know, ask this question of you. You found people in today's climate environment, so many people that are looking for change. And what are the four or five suggestions that you that you would give to people who are looking for a change and they want to transform their lives? Because I know we have somebody out there that says, I want to know how to change my life. I'm sick and tired of just being sick and tired. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. Let, let me start with the latter piece first, which yeah. is that there's, there's sort of three things that, that there's three things that when we work with either I work with or our team work with people who are creating a platform of some kind. Usually it's a platform that involves digital media as well as sometimes authorship. Authorship could be a blog, it could be uh, a book, it could be a number of things, and often it involves public speaking. So as I said, I've been blessed to speak all over the world and get paid to do it and all that's lovely. And and I meet a lot of people who want to do the same thing as me. In fact, when I was traveling around talking about pivot and, and this idea of how it is that you, tr- you transition out of things that you don't love doing into things that you do love doing, I found that when I'd asked that question, how many of you are reinventing or find yourself in that reinvention process, everybody's hand went up. It seems like everybody's in transformation, <laughs> in, in transition, which is a word mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. I, I would call that transformation. So we're all in that process. And then I would also find that people would say, I want to do what you're doing. I want to, I want to be able to spread my message. I want to share, I want to share my experiences, the good, the bad, the ugly, all of that. And, and so in many ways, more love media uh, became our vehicle to help people to do that. And so when we would meet people who would say, yes, I have these experiences in my life. I've learned these things. I, I stopped thinking that, you know, maybe I could do this long ago, you know, because I couldn't figure out how to make a living at it or whatever, you know, I would meet those people and I would, I would say three things to them. So these, this is the answer to the question of you know, meeting someone who's in that place where they know that there's more, that, that there's more they want to do, there's more they want to experience, there's more they want to share, there's more love they want to contribute to the world. And by love, I mean 
you know, when you have a great product, you have a great service, you have something that you're, that you are yourself passionate about, that's mm-hmm. the energy of love. That's the essence of love. And so, to convey that, to provide it, to provide it with love is really the goal of what we, we work with people to empower them to do through, through everything, through their websites, through their digital products, through their speaking, through their books, through their products, all of that. Right? And there's three things in particular that I remind people. And here are the three things. One, that it's never too late. Because a lot, there's no question that, that there are a lot of people, and, and you might speak to this even better, better than most, Dr. B, that people mm. that just say, you know, it's, it's just my time for that has passed, or, <laughs> or all the great <laughs> ideas are taken now, or my idea, the idea I had is taken, etc. So, so that myth that it's too late is a myth that we seek to debunk. So that's the first thing. It's never too late. The second thing is that you've got to challenge perfectionism. Now, I, I, there's no way for me to know how many people are listening to this right now who are perfectionists, but I'll just... For fun's sake, I'll say this. If you're a perfectionist, I want you to raise your hand right now. Just raise your hand right above your head. And, you know, listeners <laughs> around, you might think it's weird. Why are you doing that? But I want you to look at your arm. So I've got my arm up right now. I'm doing the same weird thing. I'm I've got mine up, too. All the perfectionists, you got your arm Beautiful. Everybody in the studio, bring, put your arm up, right? So look at your arm now. It's not straight. It's not straight. In fact, no, it's not. Straight I can't get it straight. You can get it straight. So if you're perfectly imperfect as the world is, there's no, you've got to challenge perfectionism because the other thing that stops people, you know, that want to do something and crave, have been craving doing something maybe for years or whatever, what stops them is the idea that somehow things have to be perfect, that they have to be perfect, that the stars have to align, that the conditions have to be perfect, the market has to be perfect, they have to have all the money that they envision, they've got whatever their definition of what would make the opportunity perfect is the thing they've got to challenge. That's number two. And, and lastly, and this may sound extreme, but certainly this relates to, to public speaking. And as I said, I'm, I'm sort of a, an introvert. That's, that's the way I am, but, but I challenge my introversion because I know that there's something more important that I can do with my voice than, than to keep it to myself or to uh-huh. just be comfortable in, in not speaking up. And so the third thing is that you've got to dare to suck. I'm going to say that again. You've got to dare to suck at okay. anything, at anything that you want to achieve, at least not just in my own experience, it's the one that I know best, but in looking at all the people that I've worked with, the people that I've managed, the people that were in my company, the people that are in our company now, we all will do certain things for the first time. Um, I, I remember that the person who was, uh, was our, our chief culture officer, it's the first time she'd ever done that before. And she thought, oh my God, I'm not qualified to do this. And I knew she was qualified, and other people in our company knew that she was qualified, but she didn't know she was qualified. And part of what she was thinking to herself was, what if I suck? I mean, she wasn't saying that out loud, and we don't often mm-hmm. say that out loud, but our little voice inside sometimes is telling us that, it, that it, if, if we are terrible at something, that it would be devastating, that it would destroy us, it could wreck our career, it could ruin, <laughs> it could ruin our, our precious self-image. Or the oh, my goodness. People have of us. So, so it's absolutely essential that we're willing to dare to suck 
And you know what? Sometimes we will suck. Sometimes we're not going to have the best day or we're not going to do the best that we're capable of doing. And we've got to be able to use those as learning opportunities. Those are, are opportunities for insight. Every one of those is an opportunity for growth. You know, so you make great mistakes, you get, you get great insight from those things. And, and the root of that is that you, you have to challenge, and this is really the ego's way of keeping us safe. You've got to be able to challenge that ego and dare to suck. So again, those three things, simply be willing to challenge, to, to challenge your status mm-hmm. quo, to, to say, you know, I'm not, I don't have to be perfect. That I'm willing to start now. It's never, you know, I'm not, it's never too late that I'm willing to even challenge myself and my perfectionism and, and dare to suck. And if you're willing to do those three things, there's almost nothing that you can't start. In fact, you know, one of the great um, laws of the universe is, is the law of momentum. And, and this is, you know, Newton's law of physics, that a body at motion tends to stay in motion. And a body at rest tends to stay what? Yep. At rest. Yes. That's, that's the law. But it's not the entire law, Dr. B. Because no. the fact is that, you know, we, we all understand the, the power of something, you know, like dominoes. Right? So I love visual examples. We imagine dominoes is a great example of what momentum and, and Newton's law looks like. You tip over one domino and it knocks over a series of tracks. I think the world yes. record's more than a, a million dominoes, right? Something huge like that. But what you don't know is that a domino doesn't just have the capacity to knock over another domino of its own size. It actually physically has the capacity to knock over a domino that's slightly bigger than itself. And so wow. if you can mm-hmm. imagine that you start with a domino that's maybe a half an inch high, and, and the, the knowledge that that domino has the capacity to knock over another domino that's one and a half times its size, you start with one tiny domino that's a half inch big. And I want you to think about this, Dr. B. How big do you think that domino will be when you get to the 28th one? Just 28 dominoes later, how big do you think it'll be when it starts at a half inch? Small. <laughs> small. I don't think it'll be big. <laughs> <laughs> you don't think it'll be big, right? But no. This is the beauty of it. In fact, I think Einstein said this is kind of the, the, the great miracle. That, you know, one of the greatest miracles was the law of compounding. And this is very similar to that. So a small domino, half inch high, can knock over another domino that's one and a half times bigger than itself. By the time you get to the 28th domino, you, your, your domino is bigger than the Empire State Building. And, and okay, that's I thought the it part that small. I really want people to understand. <laughs> when, we, when we were talking earlier about baby steps, this mm-hmm. is the embodiment of what baby steps looks like, either in making a change to your organization so if you're a business leader, how is it that you create a new culture? How is it that you create a culture of, of resilience and, and innovation versus a culture of exhaustion? You, know, you, you don't start with the domino that's the, the size of the empire staple. You start small. Right? Because change comes in exactly. increments, small increments, and most people can uh, adapt to change if it's in small increments. If it's too big, they will uh, falter. And fall back. We know that. <laughs> so I like the fact that one of the things, uh, Adam, you talked about is that in creating this new uh, person, this new life, it requires believing new things. And I like that. It's one of the things you said in your book, Pivot. Uh, and But many people uh, operate out of limiting beliefs. 
How does one break that cycle? Oh, my goodness. I don't know if we're going to have time on the show. <laughs> no, okay, well, we may not have time to say that, but that, but it is, but yeah. that is one of the things that I think uh, happens with a lot of people, not just here in the United States, but uh, in other countries, because culturally, we're led to believe certain things. And so if we're going to create a new life, we're going to make change, you've got to believe new things. And so because we operate out of this this limiting belief, I can't do this, uh, my mom didn't do this, and, and, and culturally, how do you break that cycle? With the domino effect, start out with small, making baby steps, maybe. That's you what you what? said. You just, mm-hmm. I think you just provided a, a really tangible answer for people, which is that you start with, with a small step. Mm-hmm. And, and beliefs can be limiting or empowering, as you said. And it's not even just beliefs, because it's beliefs and behaviors. The way, the way Pivot is, the book Pivot is, is uh, organized, part one is about how it is that you change your pivot beliefs, so basically just what you're talking about. The beliefs that we've held from the time that we were very young, beliefs that we actually think are our own but are not. Uh, many times those are our parents' beliefs, or even our grandparents' or, or their parents' beliefs, people that we never even met before. These are things that get passed down through, through DNA. Um, but there's also, so there's this concept of genetics that's at play. And then there's also something called epigenetics, which is how it is that we learn new behaviors, that we, we learn to adopt new beliefs. My goodness, Adam. And therefore, I- new behaviors. I must apologize. Do you know we have one minute before I have to close the show? But here I want to tell you really quickly, for those of you who are in transition, Adam has a kickstart guide that is free. So today, a free gift. We're having so much fun. So adammarkell.com, go to that to get your free gift, startmypivot.com. That's startmypivot.com. P-I-V-O-T dot com to get this kickstart guide. You've got to get it, and it is a free gift for you if you want to know where you are today. So, Adam, obviously, you are my success guru for today. I have to have you back for part two, and I want to thank you for being my featured guest on the show today and for sharing such wisdom from your heart. Please know I appreciated your candor and your wisdom and give my regards to your lovely wife, Randy, because she, too, is an amazing woman. So, listeners, I want you to stay tuned next week because I've got two guests who are sharing why they are running for political office. Don't forget to register to vote. Don't forget to vote. Midterm elections coming up, and you will not want to miss this opportunity. Adam, again, thank you so much. And until next week. This is Dr. Barbara Young signing off and wishing you a blessed week. We appreciate you joining us for Transformation for Success. Please join your host, Dr. Barbara Young, again next Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time. That's 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Or join us for our replay every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have an outstanding week.